Hey guys, Steve here, Potent Phonics. Today we're going to talk about gr- 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 growing with fishes. Growing with fishes. time why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself marty and uh, uh if you're interested in the ferment type that out in chat all right so yeah i'm uh ap mints and uh today i just want to talk a little bit about some different home grow setups uh, let's, let's get my screen share going i was going to show you guys some more sketchup stuff um but my program won't load so that's frustrating I did load the web version where I do have one um, here that we can look at. So this is actually the 3D model of um, that I started in the free version <laughs> of my current flower system. And so uh, this is a great way when you're designing systems, you just can see how things fit together. And for me, I mean, I, I do a lot of this in my head, I guess. Um, so I can I can design systems in my head, but when I need to start communicating them to other people, it's um, it's a lot easier to be able to create a design like this and send it to someone um, just to be able to make that work. So I do have some other stuff here I'm going to show you guys. That's um, been Okay, so anyway, the um, this is kind of the, the basic model that sort of evolved over time. I'm going to switch over here and show you guys some pictures of kind of uh, where some of this stuff started. Um, this stuff that you see here is all my first year outdoor aquaponics grow. <coughs> this is a um, not dual root zone, uh, but this was fed probably three to four times a week. Um, to be able to achieve this kind of bud formation. And this is Platinum Delight by Blue Power, I think it is. It was called Platinum Cookies. Um, these are some soil plants that were put in um, that were fed with aquaponic water. So pretty similar to what you just saw from Josh to where we were um, kind of using the tank as a, um, more like a culture or a, Almost like a brewer, and then we were we were feeding off of that. Um, here's more of the first row, uh, the first outdoor grow, I should say. I did a couple of small indoor grows before that. You can check those out on my YouTube channel if you want at AP Meds. Um, so again, here just kind of some examples. Um, this first system here was set up a little bit different than the way that I do it now. But some of the things are still the same. The U siphon that we talked about um, was all put together during this first system. Um, this is the second evolution of the system here <laughs> where I built a shade table over the top. Um, 
these are just half barrels with little dual root zone pots. So you can just kind of get an idea of what the setup was. So my water was getting pretty hot in the, in the uh, summertime. So I built this table to go over the top of it, kind of added it on. You can see there's a couple different kind of pots I was experimenting with. This is this flat square one. <clears throat> uh, this is just a round bucket. Uh, I think it was a one gallon bucket. So I just had different setups uh, to be able to um, kind of experiment with what worked and what didn't. And that most of my home base stuff you'll see has been, uh, has been pretty much that. Here's some indoor. So after this, uh, this outdoor run, I was shut down on outdoor. I wasn't really able to do much more on that. But um, here is the indoor stuff that I've done. This was kind of my first, like maybe serious indoor run uh, with some bigger lights. Here's some more of the, the finishing up of the outdoor. So this plant here, um, through all the way up to the top of the gazebo, I want to say it was probably like the plant itself was probably about seven or eight feet tall. And, uh, you know, cause it was a couple feet off the ground. So right here, this is probably about 12 feet. So just kind of give me an idea of how things sort of evolved over time. And as I made changes, uh, got improvements. So here's some, of the dual root zone. Uh, this is a Starfighter OG. All these are through here. These are more um, shots of uh, aquaponics fed uh, soil beds. So these are raised beds um, to do that. Take a peek at some of those. harvest picture there. So all this was great. I had really good luck with all of it. This was all done in dual root zone um, uh, or in soil. You can see some more indoor stuff, some more beneficial bugs. Uh, these are, this was a run of sub-irrigated planters that were um, fed with aquaponic water. So they weren't uh, attached to the main system. They were just fed with the uh, tank water. And this this was a weird cross. I can't remember what it was. It was something like a peach frost by something. I don't remember what it was now. Uh, but it came out really strong, really pretty. Um, <clears throat> I would say that the sub-irrigated planters fed with aquaponic water were were definitely um, good quality. Everything was good about them. I just still prefer the aquaponics. Just seems to get a little bit more, more terpenes and flavor. Has a little different punch to it. Um, here's the uh, kind of the really purple genetic expression that came out of um, one of those uh, platinum delight uh, plants. So here's just, in my opinion, is a a great example of full genetic expression that you get from a microbial activity in an aquaponic system or living soil. Um, this was um, definitely some of the, the better stuff. Here's the harvested peach frost. If 
try something. I still don't know what it was. This is a sour, it was a really sour one. Um, uh, sour strawberry. So I was definitely going through and feeding a number of different stuff to these. I've tried, uh, you know, doing the, the subrogated planters. Here is, uh, this is shiskyberry, and I think this is gorilla here. I've tried different lights. Um, I have tried LEDs. I've tried ceramic metal halide. Uh, this particular run that we're looking at here is all uh, cookies that was grown in um, uh, with all ferments. So these were all grown Dorwood Zone aquaponics and fed with a sour plum ferment and uh, blackberry ferment. The two that were gone through here. So let's see. That, that, that was pretty much all this. So here's a good comparison. Uh, this is grown under LED right here, and then all of these down here, same cut, and then this is under ceramic metal halide down here. Same cut, same clone, off the same model. Um, really, uh, the main difference was the size, uh, and could definitely be explained just because the LED was putting out a lot more power. Uh, so here's some nice bland uh, picks. I know we've had a lot of talks about trichomes and stuff already, but this, these are taken with uh, just a cheap microscope that you can buy off of eBay or Amazon. It was like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, plugs into your computer. And we've talked about them a lot, but this is the kind of uh, detail that you can get to be able to take a look and see. Um, where your trichomes are. So here's, uh, here's how those finished up. I do think that there, uh, there was a link between using the ferments and having um, uh, maybe larger gland heads. I'm not sure if there's more of them, but these are some really well-developed trichomes. And uh, definitely some of my more popular herb was this uh, cookies right here. Um, and you can see here is kind of how it finished up. Turned out great, being super popular. Here's the ceramic metal halide, the way it finished up. It did take a little bit longer also, but other than that, this is a grape sulfur down here. So you can just kind of see the evolution of my systems as we go through. This is the last one that I did before I moved. And then here is the new system. Uh, when I built it out here at the new house, uh, that's the same model that we were looking at over here on SketchUp. So you can see here's the, uh, this model isn't finished because it's the older one. But here's the beds, they come out, dilute some pots. This is the main fish tank over here on the side. It overflows into the media beds. The media beds have new siphons that go down into the sump pump. Uh, so the pump sits down here in the sump pump, pumps back up here to the top, and the fish tank then overflows back down. So I used the 3D model to set up my light pattern, um, kind of see what size my beds needed to be. I didn't do it exactly like this. You guys will see down here. I actually spaced this out from the wall a little bit. My garage isn't uh, exactly 20 by 20, but uh, yeah. So this is kind of the, the beginning stages of when I designed it. And 
here it is in full fruition. Uh, you can see the media beds, dual roots on pots. Um, this is pretty much in full flower. I think I already had to pull a plant maybe in here somewhere. So it's not quite full, but uh, just to give you, <coughs> give you guys an idea of what it looks like from start to finish, just sort of the original design all the way through to what it looks like in the end. So you can see my dual root zone pots in here. I feed these in the top. Um, you can see, and then this is kind of all torn out now, but I did have a bunch of greens down in here. And generally all these are full of microgreens or kale or buckwheat or uh, any number of different um, leafy greens. So that is sort of what it looks like. Here's a row. Let's see. I have just under 4,000 watts of ceramic metal halide. No, no LED in here yet. I do want uh, to do that eventually. And in here, this is a great comparison video. This is one of Steve's favorite for comparison uh, pictures. You can see this row here in the back is all. Um, been fed additional amendments, and this plant right here has been fed just castings um, out of the worm bin. <clears throat> so this one uh, received, uh, let's see, was uh, langbanite, uh, rock phosphate, in varying levels along this whole row. So I did, uh, basically this one here is uh, like a quarter dose, this one here is um, half dose, this one here is three-quarter dose, and this one out here is a full dose. So the what I want to highlight here is how you can get multiple test runs or test plants with dual root zone inside of the same system. So if you're a breeder, if you're doing a phenotype hunt, uh, whatever it is um, that you are trying to vary in order to get different results, the, the easiest way to do that is in a dual root zone system <clears throat> because each one of these plants can be different as opposed to if you're dosing the entire system at one time, then all of these plants are gonna be on the same nutrient dose, right? As opposed to in a dual root zone system, each one of these can have its own soil mix and allow you to test multiple things inside of a single run and speed up your process dramatically. So instead of, you know, here, let's just count the plants. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. You can have 12 different uh, mixes going in one run that will last three months as opposed to doing 12 different runs that will each one last that long could put you out a year just to be able to test the same stuff or have multiple systems, I guess, if you wanted to do it that way. You have to separate them out. So dual root zone gives you a huge advantage for any type of research that you want to do. Um, if you're doing like comparison research, uh, if you're doing um, phenotype research, genotype research, chemovar research, any of those things uh, are going to be made easier and faster um, to do that. So. Uh, again, this one here, definitely smaller, less of a yield. This entire plant uh, pulled down just under three ounces. I mean, it was like right right at three ounces. 
and the, the next closest comparison plant would be this one back here. And uh, this one came out more than double that with maybe, you know, a couple dollars worth of amendments, if that. <laughs> so these are, this is a great way to be able to test um, multiple things at one time. And just to give you an idea of, because I get this question a lot, was the reason that I did that, you know, what happens if you just do castings with dual root zone? Do you really need to amend the soil? Um, and I guess the answer is you don't need to do it in order to finish, but if you want um, to get results more like this row, <laughs> as opposed to this one, then, um, you know, it might not hurt to throw that in. So here's a closer up shot of the uh, castings. Plant. I did notice that it did seem to have less bug pressure. I don't know if that really means anything to anyone, but uh, yeah. All right, so now I think I'm going to switch over. Uh, let's see if we got any questions about this stuff here. Oh, yep, looks like we do. Um, let me scroll up here. Uh, were you feeding lacto weekly in the sips? Uh, yes, I was feeding lacto um, by just adding a little bit of Bokashi brand uh, when I added the aquaponic water. And they were getting fed, they were pretty small sips, so they were getting fed every couple of days um, at, when they got bigger. So the larger your plant gets, the faster your water disappears in a sub-irrigated planter. So just be aware of that. So I think that's a great demonstration of why you want to grow with a uh, dual root zone and brought up a lot of really good points on why, you know, the, the increase in control and the ability to do, you know, all these different feed rates at once and then do one run and immediately dial in a strain rather than having to do a whole bunch of runs really goes to show how, uh, how superior it is, especially when you get to commercial production. It, it, it's just night and day. Yeah, I do think that, um, I mean, that, that's just critical. If you're trying to get faster, um, you can't, unless you're gonna build more systems, 12 different systems, 12 different plants, then it's gonna be a lot harder to be do that. Uh, what size pots will you use? That's a great question. <laughs> um, Looks like we lost Marty there. Um, Marty will be back in a second. I'm just checking our, uh, trying to juggle, make sure all the different speakers and everybody are lined up through the different communication methods. Uh, I think he's cutting back to his, uh, his other, um, is my audio not working? No audio. So my audio is not working. Check, check, check. Hopefully my audio is working now. Not sure what happened there. Okay, cool. All right, looks like Marty's back. 
or I timed out. No, Marty's back. There we go. All right, not sure what happened there, but Marty is uh, back on track. I know he's going to do a broadcast from his grow here in a second and uh, show off his use siphons. And he's a pretty cool setup for how to set up in a room where maybe you can't screw with the floor, <laughs> which is a lot of you guys out there. Um, so that'll be neat to show. Uh, I'm not sure what he's going to show us next. Sorry about that. There we go. I think my internet went down. We're experimenting some technical differences. Uh, to uh, to quote idiocracy. Right. Since the rest okay. of it came true. So uh, somebody was asking, I mean, what size pot to use? Um, and I would say that uh, I've used various sizes. Actually, in, in these pictures, there are different size pots. So here's my, my rule of thumb for the minimum, which is for every foot worth of plant growth, whether that's tall or wide, if you're doing, uh, if you're doing, um, a scrog like this. Um, obviously, this plant's only a couple feet tall, but it's grown out wide and folded out. So, for every foot of plant growth, you want to have a minimum of a gallon of soil. So, here we're probably three feet tall or three feet long in this case. So, I would say you want a minimum of three gallons of soil. So, you have to remember that your pot needs to be sized to the length of time and size of the plant that you're, you're going to run. So, um, that, that would be my recommendation. So anywhere from a, you know, three to five gallon uh, pot or an indoor plant that's maybe only going to grow for a couple of, uh, you know, maybe a month and then flower out, um, that would be my recommendation. So uh, that would be um, definitely the minimum. You can go larger if you've got room. I don't think that I've seen any negative effects of it going, you know, having too large of a pot. But I don't, uh, I don't think that it's necessary for something that is going to be a smaller uh, plant. So in this case, where I'm only growing it to a few feet tall and flowering it out, I'd say three to five minutes. Do we have any questions while we see <laughs> what percentage of the pot? is soil versus rock? That's a great question. I did want to talk more about the reason, so I'm actually going to switch over to my camera here. And go to the whiteboard. Because there was a little bit of confusion yesterday also on dual roots on pods I saw in the chat. So I'm going to try. Since SketchUp isn't working, I'm going to go old school here to the whiteboard. <clears throat> so in my dual read zone pots, <clears throat> I set them down into the media bed. <clears throat> we have extra holes drilled in the bottom. Do you guys see that all right? Cool. <clears throat> now you don't go too far up the side. <clears throat> so generally in a regular pot, there's already a hole that comes up. 
you know, a couple of sides of the pot. And I don't go up higher than that usually. <clears throat> so in here, so this would be the media bed down here. And the important thing here is our water level. So if our water level in our in our media bed, I want to come up above our tallest pillars. <clears throat> so your media in your media bed, we're just going to say it all the way up here to the top. Now I'm, you know sometimes it doesn't always work out that way, <clears throat> but your your media is going to come all the way up here. Because even in a general aquaponics system, you got to have a couple of inches up here above your water line so that the top of your media doesn't stay wet all the time just from evaporative licking. So there's usually about two inches of space that you want between that. So in here, almost the same height as your media, or even a little bit above. <clears throat> If your water line is pretty close, you can do that. This is where you want your burlap layer. Up here is going to be soil. Your water level in here is going to be the same, right? It's going to come up to here. This part down here is going to be medium. So this whole section here is going to be full of media, but only part of it is going to get water. When the water level fills up, it's going to come up to here and drain back out. So even inside your pot, you want about two inches of media <clears throat> between the, the water level and your burlap. So this space in here should stay relatively dry. You don't want it soaking all the way up here to your burlap, or else it's going to soak your burlap and it's going to wick right up into your pot. So if you, depending on your system setup, you can do this a couple of different ways. One thing that happens is if you have really deep media beds, this pot will start to sink down this way. As it gets heavier, <clears throat> it'll start to sink down and this will start to sink down and it can start to wick as your plants uh, get later in flower and get heavier. <clears throat> And then at, if they start wicking, they'll get heavier also, and, it, and the problem just gets worse. So I did the, I've dealt with this a couple of different ways. The first thing I did uh, to try and prevent it was I just put little cuts of PVC in here like this, just to prop them up, <clears throat> which worked pretty good. I didn't really have a problem with it um, as long as it keeps it up off the ground. It doesn't really matter. <clears throat> but when we go down to my system here in a little bit, you'll see what I did um, in my system is I actually added two pieces of PVC that go this way in my media bed so that my pot can sit right down on top of them and not sink down. And it also gives me extra drainage from end to end on my media bed. Now this is a two-dimensional drawing, so it doesn't look perfect. So just to give you an idea, these both sit down in here, they run parallel to each other. They're not hooked up to anything. They don't do anything besides just provide drainage 
can allow me to set the pot down on top of those. So any place in my bed, I can go through and, and dig down the media enough to find the top of these pipes. I know I can set it right down on top of it. It's gonna stay there. And also the roots aren't gonna block up the entire media bed. The water will be able to flow all the way from one end to the other without getting completely blocked. Um, <clears throat> so that's a great way to uh, keep all of your pots at the same height, keep them from sinking down too far and help with your drainage to go all the way through from end to end on your media bed. Uh, any other questions about dual root zones, Steve, before I erase this? No, uh, let me check chat here. Um, anybody have any other questions about dual root zone and chat? I know there's a lot of questions. A lot of people don't quite understand it. A lot of people think it's a waking bed. It's not a waking bed. Yeah, so if... If you were doing a wicking bed, you would just extend this all the way down to your water, right? But in this case, we don't want to do that. We want we don't want it to wick, and the reason we don't want it to wick is the entire purpose of Gilbert's on the start of it, which is that you can add amendments to the top, or what we you know what I either be a top dress is how I do it. You can do it uh, be uh, liquid nutrients, but you can create a concentration. A higher concentration of P in K. So when you have this higher concentration up in here, the whole point is to keep it out of the water table. So if you have a wicking bed, you can wick water and plants can grow in it, but what happens is, is that all the P and K starts leaching down into your water table and it defeats the purpose of what you were doing in the first place. So you definitely want to make sure that this doesn't stay constantly wet and wick all the time so that it doesn't leach all of the P and K that you're trying to keep isolated on this plant um, to do it. So in this case, you know, the plant's coming down here and the roots are growing down here so it can get water. But these nutrients up here are gonna be just for this plant. And the, these plants are gonna grow, the roots are gonna grow out in the entire media bed. Like when, my, when I pull my plants after harvest, the entire thing is just like a mat. Um, it's not like it's just gonna be limited to inside of the spot. And that's part of the reason why we, we drilled extra holes is to um, give it more root space. So we had some more questions here is, do you, do you add holes to the horizontal PVC pipes? These ones here? Correct. I don't, I didn't consider doing that. If I did do it, I think I would do it um, right here on the lower part of the sides. But I, I think I would, I think I would go with like slits, maybe with like a chop saw and make it like, rather than a hole, go with a slit so that you have more of a, uh, you know, more area so that it doesn't get clogged as easy. Right. And so what I did is I, I just have these open on both ends and there's no holes in them because um, it's just one big long media bed. All right. Uh, does uh, a lot of roots accumulate in the media bed? Yes, this entire thing right here, the entire media bed, if you leave your plants, you know, for longer than a cycle, even one cycle, which would be 
uh, you know, like three to four weeks of veg and, and uh, eight weeks of flour on average, this entire media bed will be nothing but a bed of roots. So generally what happens is everywhere except for this top layer just gets covered in that because they, uh, they'll light prune up here at the top. So they'll, they'll fill up everywhere that is dark, essentially. Uh, and then how many inches of dry soil above the burlap? Uh, really as, as much as you can fit, I guess. Um, up here, if you have a taller pot, then you can put in more. Uh, I, would say I wouldn't go with anything smaller than a three gallon pot at minimum. Um, yeah, unless you were doing really small plants. Like if they're only a foot tall and you're just flowering clones immediately and you're doing like a thousand of them, uh, then I would say three gallon is probably the Any other questions? We have some more questions. What's the yeah, gap between the the gap between the pots and the tray? So down here, this would just be media. So in, in my case, I have a mix that's uh, about twenty percent lava rock. I'll shout out to Martin too. I met him at. So that, that fills up the whole space down here, all, all around these pipes. We'll, we'll go look at it in just a minute too. Anything else, Steve? Oh, let me see here. Sorry, trying to juggle out all these different things at once doing this. All right. If, uh, if you have a larger rock area below the water line, does it increase the diaphragm action on the soil level? Uh, yeah. So the, the more, as long as it was walled in on the sides, you, yes, absolutely. It would push a, a greater volume of air through that. Yeah, and I think that that's, that brings up two great points. We talk about this all the time in the siphon, right? So as the water level comes up, it pushes out all the air that has been in the media bed already, fills it up, so it pushes that all out like a, like a diaphragm pump. <clears throat> and then when it drains back out, all that air comes back in. Right, you know? So the water level drops back down. As it comes down, it sucks new air into all the root zones. And then the other advantage uh, of this diaphragm action is that it pushes this air up when it comes inside of the pots. So you don't want uh, you don't want a hole right here close to your water line, where instead of pushing air up through your soil zone, it'll push it out. It's probably not a big deal, but um, and even mine aren't always perfect. Um, it, it's a lot better now that I have these uh, in here to set them at a constant height. But the, um, the air pushing up will shove air through the top of the, the soil layer if you uh, make sure that it comes up above the holes here on the side. So that's why I don't put too many up here on the side. I always put a, uh, extra ones down, no, no taller than what the opening is already. 
usually about you know a half or an inch depending on what what size but that uh the more area you have down here will give you more uh, root zone space and the more of that root zone space that takes part in that diaphragm action the more access you will have uh, to air and I do I'm a I'm a big believer in siphon systems uh, for for this exact reason I think that taking um, or giving plants access to air in the root zone as opposed to putting all of your oxygen requirements on your dissolved oxygen so both your fish and your plants are are running off of the air in your water uh, is not as efficient. <laughs> so I do think that whether you have a siphon system or timing system or whatever it is, you use to vary the water level. However you achieve that, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's necessary at this point. Um, I don't, I'm not a fan of anything constant height I've seen produce or do anything good. And that goes for DWC also. I know it's super popular and there are ways that you can adapt it. Like in, uh, you know, Steve has shown in his videos where essentially, instead of this being a media bed. Yeah, great, great, uh, great chance to demonstrate this too. Go ahead. Yeah. So our normal setup is what I just described, but one thing that we've run into repeatedly are specific uh, aquaponic designs or systems, commercial systems that have been sold that are DWC and they want to convert them from lettuce to cannabis. And so we just imagine this um, as a DWC bed, right? So now this is all water down here. <laughs> this is the top, so here's, your, here's our raft. imagine a little bit. So if we take a pot that uh, instead of having little tiny holes and putting just a bunch of plants in here like we do with lettuce, we can re-engineer this raft to have a slightly larger hole. <coughs> and then over the top of that hole, we put a dual roots on pot. So then the roots are growing down here in the water and all of our soil is up here. The burlap separator goes closer to the bottom. Yeah, and then oftentimes we'll even use a, a little layer of hydrogen, even one or two layers thick right above uh, at the bottom of it, just to help give an extra air layer there. Um, you, you can go get by without it, but it, it does help just after some experience doing it at scale. Right, so this is a way that we, uh, Steve has been able to adapt uh, DWC for that. But it doesn't change the couple about DWC, which is that you, you still are going to share all of your air for the most part, other than what is in the top part of here. Uh, a lot of your air is going to be still going to have a, a higher requirement uh, for dissolved oxygen than what you if you had a siphon system in your water volume. The amount of water that it takes to fill up the DWC bed is going to increase the amount of 
supplement you had to add in order to achieve the PPMs that you want for your plants. So if your water volume is less, then you can you're supplementing less at a time in order to get there. Any other questions on that? Anybody have any questions on the on the dual root zone? Oh, here we go. Any interesting suggestions on how to separate hydrogen from the mass of roots for later reuse? I found the easiest way is just to take it, let it dry out. Uh, and then once it's fully dried out, you can just pull the top. Oh, it looks like we lost Marty again, but uh, I'm sure he'll be back in a second. But um, you can just pull the top off once they're dried. And where that burlap layer is, is really easily separated. You can pop it right off. Um, and then you have the soil layer separated. Now you can compost that, amend it with some of your, your fan leaves, amend it with some of your fish waste and, and amend it with some IMO and get that, um, you know, let it rest for a period of time and then you can go ahead and reuse it, but you got to refresh it a little bit, right? Uh, and then we're going to take the hydrogen and what we found is you can get, um, what's the name of it? It's kind of like, uh, like the iron, uh, the diamond-shaped iron like you use for grading, like like for floors or for like catwalks and stuff, like above like a, a, a power plant or something like that. Um, that actually, you can get that in sections uh, at the hardware store. And, and that actually works really good for separating the, the hydrogen and kind of holding the rocks, or, and, and not the rocks back, but separating the hydrogen law, not to fall through, but kind of holding the roots up for the most part through in, into the top of that. And you can even add a little bit of extra, you know, maybe a layer of chicken wire over top of that to have something else for it to grab onto. But um, it really seems to be the easiest way to separate it in mass. But usually once you pull it off and let it dry out, you know, I can hit that with some, some good microbiology. And I, I don't really, I'm not too worried about eliminating that at 100%, right? There, but, you know, with the microbes and everything else that we have on the system, it's going to, you know, recycle those nutrients and those leftover roots pretty fast and not really be a problem. Very similar to, say, like a, a natural living soil bed. You know, we're basically growing aquatic soil, right? So that's what, uh, like like uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Leonard was saying yesterday, it's more akin to a living soil bed, not a hydroponic bed. Uh, and we prefer to call it aquatic soil, uh, me personally anyways, and the aquatic food web, because that's really, again, much more akin uh, in terms of how it's structured and how it, it actually functions, uh, is much more akin to, to soil. Your uh, mic working there, Marty? I think so. Are we okay. good? Yeah, just making sure, just because you, you disconnected, reconnect, just making sure it's all good. Oh yeah, I was just trying to get a, a jump start here on my. my just, I have a gray colored lava rock in from prior owner from outside landscape. I'm wondering if it might be bad, like cinder blocks could be. Should I just use the red colored lava rock? So, um, if it's actually gross stone which it could be a uh, gross stones high in silica but it can raise ph uh, if you have um, too much of it and if it's not been aged a little bit uh, but it can be a great way to passively add silica but again without seeing and it would be hard to give you a, an honest statement um, uh, red uh, red lava rock is often stained so that would be my concern. Uh, make sure it's actually red lava rock and not stained lava rock. Um, also, just so you know, like I know that a lot of people ask about lava rock. 
and like uh, just end up going to like Walmart or Lowe's or something to purchase it. And it's just really expensive there. It's not necessarily, you can't use it. Um, but if you look at like uh, landscaping places, you can usually get like an entire yard of it um, for a lot cheaper than you can buy to buy the bag. So, I was gonna say you can usually get super sucks anywhere from 180 to 300 bucks depending on where you are in the in the country and your yeah, your local access to it. <clears throat> so, just I mean, you can do that if that's the only thing that you got. Then I I understand, but besides that, um, it's just really expensive. So that, that that's my tip, especially if you got if you're gonna need a lot of it. I wouldn't buy it like a few bags at a time. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna move on here to use items here for just a minute. And again, I apologize for my terrible artwork here, but um, hopefully we can at least get the concepts done. Uh, so we talk a lot about bell siphons and we use them a lot uh, in aquaponics. Those are usually mounted here inside the media bed. Uh, <clears throat> and then they just have a normal drain that goes out. Um, with a U siphon or a loop siphon, either one of them, we're using the same principles that we have for a bell siphon, and then we're creating a siphon with a restriction that fills up to a particular water level. So, um, in this case, when we use a U siphon, uh, as opposed to it being mounted inside the bed, I generally choose to mount them on the outside. Now, you can there are, if you just Google U-Siphon, you'll see models that go inside. But I like using the remote U-Siphon better because you get to, uh, which you can do a remote bell siphon, by the way, also. I'm not going to get into that right now. But I like being able to um, have just a big open drain here. There's, so there's no restriction on the drain inside the bed itself. Uh, and there's no clean out that you have to do. Uh, you can remove this down here and clean out the drain from the bottom. So you don't have to dig out the media bed in order to do maintenance, which uh, is a big advantage, in my opinion. You also get all of the grow space up here in the top. I still don't plant right over the top of the drain, so roots don't immediately grow down into it. Um, and then also here on the inside, I have an inverted net pot, so an upside down net pot sits over the top of the drain and keeps all the um, media from flowing down into it. Because this is an, actually just an inch and a half drain. So this is actually a, a good sized drain here. So there's a bulkhead that comes out the bottom. We hook up to the uh, inch and a half. Now this is on my flower ring system. I have some flex tube systems also which we'll, we'll take a look at, which are a little different. But for this system, what happens is the water is being pumped in the top, right? So we're not gonna worry about our water input right now. Just know it's coming in the top. All this will fill up down here first. Of course, maybe the marker's not working since I need it. <laughs> so all this is gonna fill up first. As it fills up, it's gonna fill up the media bed. Once it gets full, it's gonna fill this all the way up to the top of the U. Now here's the important part. The top of the U is going to be your water level inside your media bed. So in this case, we only look at it two-dimensionally. <clears throat> so we go across from here over to here. 
That's regardless. This media bed can be a hundred feet away. It doesn't matter. It's only the height as far as the water goes. It's filling up this tube and it fills all this up. We can also have another media bed. We can have like mine are uh, attached in two. So we could have another media bed over here that's attached here. This would be a T. And then both of these would fill up at the same time. Two beds, one side. This would fill up, this would fill up, and again to the same height. So one concern is like in my system, I built it inside of a garage. Oops, you guys might not be able to see all that. Uh, I built it inside of a garage, so it's a little bit sloped. So it, the way my beds are set up, the water level is not the same. I can't go all the way across and do all of them. So I do two, two at a time because they're slightly different height. But that's how you can connect multiple beds onto one site. It's really the same principle as, uh, as a bell siphon. As the water fills up, here's our restriction over here. The water fills up. Once it starts, it'll just trickle out over the top here. <clears throat> so it'll just have a little bit of water flow that comes down. In my case, my sump tank is right below it. And it just empties right into that. And then my water pump sits down here and it pumps water back into the top. So as this fills up, it comes over this first part right here. It'll start coming out just a little bit. So you have to have enough water flow coming into the top of your media beds to overcome this amount of water right here. But it's not actually draining you probably need more water flow. The other option is to add restriction. If you're maxed out on your pump and you're still not kicking off your siphon, it's not starting, <clears throat> then you, you might need more water flow. Or if you can't get more water flow, you can do what I do, which is add ball valve right here. And I can't recommend this enough to make your life easier on the numerous levels. The, uh, Ball valve will allow you to restrict the flow coming out of here. Here's another tip too that you can do. If you have low water flow, you can put another elbow right here at the bottom, like this, which will turn in. <clears throat> That's another great way to make sure that, that this kicks off, or you can use both. Uh, doesn't really matter. The more you close this valve, the more pressure it'll put back here on the system and it will allow this to fill up with less of a water flow. Now, also restricts your drain. You're gonna drain out slower. So it just depends on uh, how you want to configure it. But let's compare this to a bell siphon, right? We've got a bell siphon, keyword cut. We're cutting slits in this every time we wanna add more space. If we add, if we cut too many, then we got to take the whole thing apart and make a new sleeve for it. And there, there are ways of making it adjustable. I know there are definitely different ones out there, but um, I did not enjoy uh, working with bell siphons. And so that's when I started working with new siphons and I find it to be easier. So uh, what happens is, is when once this right here, this air bubble that gets caught in here, so as this water starts filling up in here, an air bubble will form right here. 
and eventually this air bubble will get pushed out and down here and this siphon will start. So this will become pressurized, which I use um, for um, passive aeration of my tanks. So I have a small gap between my water all the time. So it's always just shooting straight down into there and aerating uh, the water as it flows through. So that's a great passive way to get aeration with a, I mean, it's not, it's, uh, it's not quite like a waterfall. I mean, it is falling, but because it's so pressurized, it creates a lot of air just from doing that. So I don't run any air stones in my system at all. I don't have an air pump. Everything is done through passive aeration. So I have uh, this right here, and then I also have a waterfall on my pump when it goes back into the main fish tank. Uh, to aerate the water going back into there. Uh, I also don't have any uh, media filtration. Um, my only media uh, physical filtration are my media beds. So I set them up to filter out as much as possible. I dose them with labs on a regular basis. I feed the, the fish Bokashi brand once a week, um, which is just a me and one Bokashi brand I got from Terragenics. And that really helps uh, break down all of my solids. And then uh, tons of red worms. Um, I have separate red worm bins. I'm always overpopulating my beds uh, with red worms. So that's kind of the, the basic use I can set up. So I have two of these. I have uh, four beds and two beds on each siphon. And they run like awkward. Uh, I can adjust them with my you know, for some reason I want to change the flow. For a while I had a Venturi set up up here. Um, but it was cutting down my water flow a little more than I wanted it to, so I actually just took it out. But when I had the Venturi on there, I just come down here on each of the siphons. When I had less flow, I would restrict this more to get it to run on less flow. So the ability to use the ball valve to adjust the amount of resistance that you need to start your flow will make your life a lot easier. Um, and you won't have to restrict your water flow. If it's too much, you can just let it flow uh, and have the, the ball valve open more. So rather than putting resistance on your pump, uh, you're just using the ball valve to create resistance on the drain and start your cycle easier. Got any questions over there, Steve? No, I think that's about it. Uh, uh, we do have a couple of questions, but uh, we're about out of time. Um, uh, I think Wendy's about ready here. Uh, sure. We'll, we'll double check, but um, how, do people find you? how do people find you there, Marty? And maybe we can do a little Q&A during the end of the second half of lunch or something for you. All right. Uh, yeah, so you can find me uh, at AP Meds, uh, Growing the Fishes podcast, uh, uh, at AP Meds on Instagram, at AP Meds uh, on Patreon. You can find me in a number of different places. I'll find Cannabis Growers Group on Facebook, like 7,000 members now, Steve and I. You know that. So, yep. um, yeah, give me up if you have questions. All righty. Oh. Didn't realize my camera was off. Um, uh, when